Good morning, church. Please stand. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our lives. We thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. And we come before you this morning to praise your name.
I have some sad news to share with our church family, and that is that uh, Serena Madison, our sister in the Lord, passed away last Wednesday. I want to encourage you all to keep uh, her family, the Madison family, in your prayers this week. Uh, there will be service schedule announced. And listen close to your home group leaders for things that we might do to help them and their family in the upcoming week. I want you to be aware. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. First commandment, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And as we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. True repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray together the Colette. O God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Children, the army of the Lord arriving. (laughs) And a handsome and beautiful army it is. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would anoint this time they spend in the study of your word, Lord Jesus, that you would fill their hearts and minds with the knowledge and love of you, Lord God, that you would equip them for the battles ahead in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go fight win, ladies and gentlemen. This morning's first lesson comes from Isaiah, chapter 66, beginning in verse 10. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you who mourn for her, that you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom, that you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed, on her sides you shall be carried, and be dandled on her knees. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. When you see this, your heart shall rejoice, and your bones shall flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants and his indignation to his enemies. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh and the slain of the Lord shall be many. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 66. We'll read verses 1 through 7, responding by the asterisk. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Give his praise, glory. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. Come and see the works of God. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. 
Oh, bless our God, you peoples. Make the voice of this praise be heard. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, will be This morning's second reading comes from the book Galatians, chapter 6, verses 12 through 18. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. The word of the Lord. According to St. Luke, glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. this opportunity to come before you and worship you, to declare your goodness, to declare your kindness unto us. I pray that as I share these words today, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would always be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning I had about 10 different things that I was wanting to teach on, and I just kept going through these different messages, Um, but in light of the week that we've had, the news that we had of our dear friend Serena's passing, I switched it up a little bit. I just wanted to spend some time this morning with Jesus. I wanted to spend some time reflecting on how Jesus handled tragedy, grief, and death. And so we're going to jump into one of the most hope-filled human stories in the gospel, and that is the story of Lazarus. So we're going to start in John chapter 11, and we're going to just read through this and make some remarks as we go through uh, this beautiful story that we're given. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the very first thing that we see in this story is this 
interesting connection between the fact that Mary was the one who, as Jesus said, anointed him for burial. Now she's wrestling with the death of a loved one. And so the act of worship that Jesus said will never be forgotten as long as the gospel is proclaimed. It's that Mary that we're encountering in this story. So just keep that in mind as we see these reactions. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. I want to pause there and think, how interesting is it that Jesus actually has shown he, he loved these people? Well, doesn't Jesus love everybody? Aren't we as Christians supposed to love everybody? And generally when we say that, we think we have to have this kind of positive general regard for all mankind. It's the kind of weak sauce love that leads to this idea that we said when we were kids. It's like, oh yeah, I love you, but I don't have to like you, right? That's not what Jesus does. When he says that he loves people, he means a particular close connection. As, as, as we are called to, Jesus' love actually compels him to action. And yet... Even though we see again and again, he had compassion on them, he healed them. He had compassion on them, he fed them. He had compassion on them, he cast the demon out of them. Jesus' love is connected with action. And yet it says, because of his love, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Or do we need to like teach Jesus what love means? Like, come on, right? Love means when somebody's in trouble, you run to help them out, especially if you have the means to do so. And yet it says because of his love, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. How often in our hearts do we look around and look at the tragic situations in our life and think, why wasn't God there? And yet... I promise you, the one thing we do know about God is that everything he does is because of love. There is no, we get this, we get all tangled because we just, we think we know so much of our theology and we get all tangled in our brain and we think, well, God didn't show up in this instance because he couldn't violate free will or because his holiness got in the way as if God really desperately wanted to love you, but something held him back. That's not the picture that we get of God in the Bible. When God holds back something we think we want or need, it is because his love, period. When he does something, even when it's painful, even when it's difficult, it's because of his love. Now, you'll see this story doesn't just glaze over these theological difficulties and we're going to get to that as we keep going but i just want to get rid of that idea in our head that we have where we justify god's inactivity by saying well he couldn't do it because and we give this list of reasons no god does everything in love there is nothing that he does or does not do that is not a part of his love for you so he stays away two days and then 
I'm summarizing a couple verses here. He says, basically, let's go to Judea, uh, Judea to see Lazarus. And his disciples are like, wait, 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 hold on. I thought we figured this out. The reason you stayed away is because the rabbis were trying to kill you. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm walking in the light of God. What do I have to fear? And then he moves on. And he's, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go awaken him. The disciples, you've got to love the disciples. They say to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. That's a good thing. He's sick. He probably needs his rest. So Jesus has to tell them plainly, no, no, no. Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, looks at his fellow disciples and says, let us also go that we may die with him. Doubting Thomas. Isn't that great? This is the same guy who we, he gets this bad rap of the doubting Thomas, but he is convinced that Jesus is walking to his death. And he's the one that says, guys, I'd rather die with him than not be with him in this moment. Now, there's a little bit of sarcasm here, right? Because he didn't understand that Jesus was saying, no, I will die at the appointed time, right? He's saying like, okay, Jesus, he's walking in the light. He's going to die, whatever. Let's just go because we deserve, he deserves our loyalty, right? Let us go that we may also die with him. But there's something deeper in this passage, right? It says, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. That's the key verse, in my opinion, in this whole passage that explains Jesus' motivation. There's something deeper going on here. Even this terrible tragedy of death of his friends is being transformed to an opportunity for God's glory and for our good. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met with him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The tragic simplicity of the statement. You almost don't even hear an accusation. It's just like, God, I know that you could have healed him. There's so much faith in that, and yet you weren't here. Martha is the hero of the story, in my opinion, of, a whole, of the whole story. We should all be like Martha. She wasn't afraid to tell Jesus what was going on inside. She wasn't afraid to say, God, what is going on? This doesn't make any sense. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. We shouldn't be afraid to approach God with our pain, with our questions. He can handle it. And then she follows it up with this remarkable statement. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. This is worrying Martha. She's the bad sister. She's the one that we get to make fun of in Sunday school, right? She's over cleaning when Mary's trying to learn the secrets of life from Jesus. And then she gets mad at her sister for sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, there's only one thing that is needful. One thing that's important. And that is to receive from me. That Martha is the one who's standing before Jesus. Her brother's been dead four days. And even though she's hurt, Even though she says, if you would come, he would not have died. She stands before him and says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, he will give you. She learned to sit at Jesus' feet. She learned the one thing that was needful at some point. 
in this process. Because you have to spend time with Jesus to develop the kind of faith that says, even in my pain, I trust you. Even in my pain, when Jesus shows up, my story changes. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Reminds me of many Christian funerals, many Christian consolations and grief. It's okay, there's a resurrection. And that's how Martha takes it. She's like, yeah, sure, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Like, how did Martha have so much faith in this moment? This story, God, God, Jesus is rewriting history, right? Ever since the beginning of the time, after the fall, every human, except for a couple notable exceptions, died. And Jesus is showing up, and like he always does, he is rewriting the story. He's saying, no, I am the resurrection, I am the life, and it doesn't matter what's happened before. Anybody who believes in me shall never die. Even if he does die, he shall live. This changes everything. Every loss, every pain, every brokenness found in the fall can find its redemption in a resurrecting God. Martha's faith here, she's the only person, her response to this, instead of saying, no way, Jesus, how can this be, Jesus, like so many other people do, she says, oh yeah, I know you're the Christ, the Son of God. The only other person this side of Jesus' resurrection who makes that acclamation in his life, besides Peter, who we celebrate in the transfiguration, right? She says this reminder before Lazarus is raised. In the midst of her suffering, in the midst of her tragedy, she still believes. And so we go forward, and when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary and said in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. I just want to make one comment here. There's some beauty in this story as we see the family just surround the people in the tragedy. We don't see the family here saying, don't worry, there is a resurrection. We see the family going to weep with her at the tomb. That's absolutely our call as a family when someone suffers tragedy. It's just to be with them. Just to be with them. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. There are some key verses where the humanity of Jesus shines forth. One of my favorite is is this. Uh, Forty days, Jesus doesn't eat anything or drink anything, and it says, and he was hungry. Yes, exactly. Okay, humanity of Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, 
As he cries out, asking to God to take the cup of his crucifixion from him. And he sweats blood and anguish. We see Jesus' humanity. And yet, this is one of the most interesting moments of Jesus' humanity. Because he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But when confronted with the grief of that death, the suffering of that death, he weeps. Every moment up until this one, we see Jesus saying, don't worry, this is for God's glory. Don't worry, this is so that you may believe. It's actually good that this happened. But when he encounters the reality of tragedy in his life, he weeps. I think that that should comfort all of us because I know for a fact that there are people who try and convince us that because we're Christians, death is nothing to be sad about. That's not true. Are you kidding? Jesus himself, who literally in minutes is going to raise the guy from the dead, encounters death and breaks down in weeping and tears. And it's not like Jesus was this holy guy where he had a twinkle in his eyes, the tears falling down his face. No, it's he's actually dealing with the reality of this broken fellowship that comes when we lose someone. The world is not meant to be this way. Death is not meant to exist. And Jesus encounters that, and with the very human emotion, he mourns. It brings the reality of the incarnation to us in a whole new way when we think about it this way. Jesus joined into our grief even though he knew the reality of the resurrection. Even though he had fullness of joy, he joined in our grief. He joined in our hunger even though he told his disciples, I have food you don't know about. To do the will of him who sent me. He joined in hunger regardless. He joined in our baptism for the repentance of sins, even though he knew no sin. And he joined in our death, even though his life is forevermore. And he is life forevermore. He joined us so that by him, each of these moments would be transfigured. So that our grief could be redeemed and in the end, every tear could be wiped from every eye. So that our hunger would find its deepest satisfaction in him. So that our baptism would join us with him in resurrection life. So that in dying we would never die, but enter with him into life eternal. Jesus weeping was not some performance. He actually entered into the moment of tragedy with us. And that's not the end of the story. Sorrow never has the last word. So the Jews say when they see him weeping, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And we're faced with the most difficult of questions. We know God loves us. So why doesn't he keep them from dying? In this story, as in the entire Bible, we don't get an answer to that big question, why? But we get assured that God can transform even the most tragic circumstances into a story of resurrection and hope for his glory and for our good. That's the story of the cross. An execution, a torturous execution that becomes a beautiful symbol of hope and life. If he can transform that, he can transform every tragedy. He can make all things new. 
Then Jesus, deeply moved, he's in this place of mourning, he's deeply moved again. He comes to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha and the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. For he has been dead four days. And Martha, our hero of the story, who has such faith, falls right back into the same patterns that we fall into. But God, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work that way. There will be an odor. And Jesus has to gently remind her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Jesus isn't mad at Martha for reverting to her earthly perception, let's say. But he reminds her that there's more going on here. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. What a glorious story. I've heard it said Jesus didn't show up at a funeral that he didn't ruin, right? He, he is the God who brings life wherever he goes. But why this story? You know when Jesus talks to the disciples, there's this idea when you read the Bible that you can actually read that as his instructions, not just for them, but to the church. They are the foundation of the church on which we stand. And so when he says to his disciples earlier, he said, I was glad I didn't come to heal Lazarus so that you may believe. You can hear that today. I was glad I didn't come to heal Lazarus so that you, each and every one of you, may believe. Well, what did he want them to believe? He obviously didn't want them to believe that every time somebody died, he would show up and raise them from the dead in that moment. Because that's not what happened. He obviously didn't want them to believe some shallow idea like that. But instead, he wanted them to believe something a little different. And it comes earlier in the passage that we just read. And there's a clue here. He ends this phrase with, do you believe this? Right? Linking all of these things together. What does he want us to believe in the light of this story? Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the question to us this morning. When you're faced with tragedy, when you're faced with death, when you're faced with heartache, do you still believe? Doesn't mean you don't grieve. Jesus wept. It doesn't mean that you don't ask God, where were you? Martha and Mary received no rebuke for going to Jesus with that question. But it does mean we hold on to hope in the assurance of the resurrection. This is a time of grief, but it's not a time of unbelief. We surround one another with comfort and hope. We walk in that assurance of the resurrection. Amen? Good word. Jesse, please stand and we'll continue. Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and of all things, visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. God's ears are always open and attentive to his children's prayers. Therefore, let us bring our request before him. That the church will equip and send forth laborers to reap the harvest that God has prepared. Lord, in your mercy, that the interests of those who rule in government will be for the common good and not personal gain. Lord, in your mercy. That the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the unwanted child will not be forsaken, especially by the people of God. Lord, in your mercy, that we will walk in the power of the Holy Spirit using the weapons he has given us on behalf of our family, friends, and neighbors. Lord, in your mercy, that the Jewish people will come to know Jesus as their promised Messiah. Lord, in your mercy, that our children who have wandered away from the faith will repent and embrace Jesus as Lord and walk in his ways. Lord, in your mercy, that those who have loved ones, that those who have lost loved ones will be strengthened and encouraged by the promises of Christ. Lord, in your mercy, for our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, you sent your son Jesus to restore you. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to rejoice that as believers, our names are written in your book of life. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbors with the peace of the Lord. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Uh, let's see. we got a few families that are traveling this week. Keep them in your prayers. Bishop Kessler will be back next Sunday.
Eric and Becky and company and others. Um, Foundation Day. We talked last week about Foundation Day, if Foundation Day offering. If you weren't didn't have an opportunity last week, you can give your offering this week. Just put uh, this is the old-fashioned way. Put uh, Foundation Day on the memo on your check. <laughs> Anybody know how to write checks? Yeah, what's a check? <laughs> what's a check? Uh, you can also uh, give to the Foundation Day Fund uh, online. Uh, so do we have the, I want to make sure everybody's aware of the schedule for the services for Serena. There we go. Uh, it's, it's not this Tuesday, it's next Tuesday. There will be a viewing and a rosary here. And the next day, on the 13th, Wednesday, the service will be at St. Edward's, which I think is Dana Point, right? So uh, just be aware of all that. Listen closely to your home group leaders, things that we can do for the family we want to do. And keep them in your prayers. Amen. Uh, in regards to society uh, or the food pantry, we're trying to switch the name over. We're trying to transition the name from society to food bank or food pantry. We haven't decided yet. Maybe we'll take a poll, but... Um, with the summer coming on us, uh, or already on us, we're going to have a lot of people missing throughout the summer, especially in, uh, during this month, July. Uh, if you can make it out on Monday, we'd be very grateful because a lot of people will be out of town that would normally be there. So if you're able to make it, we'd love to have you there. Uh, it's a real blessing to be up, be able to help the people that uh, are in need. Every chance you get to be there on Monday afternoon, you want to be there. It's about three, between three and four, you need to show up, and uh, I can I can guarantee you they have a job simple enough that you can accomplish because they find jobs for me. <laughs> Very basic. So yeah, you want to be there. It's a great ministry. I don't know if there's more you wanted to add. To Tomorrow we will be open. Uh, I know it's July 4th, but uh, we just don't close. Uh, <laughs> maybe Christmas will close. Maybe Christmas Christmas Day will close. But uh, okay. we don't. Uh, tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna do something a little different. We're not gonna need as many people, but it would still be nice to have you out there to uh, to talk with people and be there with us as we set up. So it won't be as intensive, near as intensive, but. Uh, but it'd still be nice to have you out there. So, Amen. All right, let's uh, pray. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to, and presenting our, to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, Christ let, us let us continually, continually offer to God, God the, the sacrifice of praise, praise. That, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, but do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
We are lifting up this Eucharist service today for Serena. And we welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here, come to the table. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that has made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choirs of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread, he gave you thanks, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples saying, take eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. 
In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Susan, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Denisa, Daniel, Ron, Henry, the Madison family, the Marines and sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can lift up the names of the people that you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to his supper.
pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food and the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, fill your hearts and minds with the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen. Find me here. 